0: Right day 244 welcome back to the windows and mirrors podcast my name is keith and remember this is a podcast where we're trying to show you that the bible is more like a window than it is a mirror we come to it to see through it uh, and to see god not to it to primarily look at it and see ourselves all right so we're in uh matthew chapter 13 and jumping right in today listen matthew chapter 13 starts the third major teaching block of the book of matthew so one of the things that we've talked about and said that matthew is trying to do is provide these large five teaching blocks by Jesus right where he is uh, presenting himself as one who is giving uh, this this teaching that is uh, in parallel to the Torah that Moses gave with the first five books of the Bible and Matthew chapter 13 is going to start off with parables right or it is filled with 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 parables eight different parables and mainly he's going to talk about what the kingdom of heaven is is like now a parable is simply a brief metaphorical and usually fictional narrative that displays or give a spiritual truth right it, it just gives a spiritual truth that the Lord wants to give to his people and in the Old Testament uh you see parables come up among the prophets and so Jesus is actually working out of this prophetic function remember Deuteronomy 18 said a prophet will arise like Moses in the last days and here Jesus is acting out of that prophetic office when he gives these parables now the parable of the sower right very famous uh of, you've probably heard it a million times if you grew up in church or, or if you are a believer right and the main point of the parable is that christ comes and he scatters the seed of the word and it lands in different places right it lands on the path there's some who hear and they're like the path some are like the rocky ground some are like the thorns and some are like the good ground and these are the ones that, that that the seed that falls on the good ground these are the ones who hear the word who understand the word and bear fruit from hearing the word and i think what christ tries to teach us here is that um fruit bearing is necessary in God's kingdom, right? A fruitless faith is a false faith, right? Like at the end of the day, Christ wants us to bear fruit in other words the word of god should produce uh results in your very life right if you're taking in the word of god it really should and you're really uh uh, listening to it and you're really understanding what it says uh it should bear fruit in your life and the rest of the the chapter is so good because he gives us so many different images of what the kingdom is like And and it's interesting because again jesus is the messiah but he's an unexpected messiah and so his the way he brings the kingdom uh in in many ways subverts all of our expectations of course the people in the first century but us as well right he talks about how the kingdom is like a mustard seed right seemingly insignificant seemingly unassuming but it it grows into this big tree and so people can nest in its branches he talks about how the kingdom is like a priceless pearl right that when when you when you get it um you sell everything you have you have right to get to get uh this pearl. And I think um one of the things we learn there is that at the end of the day when it comes to the kingdom, uh we're like people who have really encountered the kingdom of heaven, right? That comes through Christ uh uh Jesus, um uh, God's king Jesus, um are willing to give up uh everything so they can gain everything, right? It's 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 a willingness to give up anything so that you can gain uh everything that God god has for you john 14 comes john the baptist remember we talked about john the baptist last time a little bit john the baptist is here and john the baptist jesus says is the greatest man to come uh, from a woman in this time and john the baptist dies he gets his head cut off right in this text and in this text i think it's trying to parallel and foreshadow the actual fate of the Messiah and possibly those who are faithful to him remember tradition says that many of the disciples die violent and brutal deaths and it's amazing too because right after that um the text doesn't tell us a lot anymore about john right it it goes on to uh continue in the works and ministry of jesus and how jesus still in spite of his cousin john the baptist is jesus because right in spite of his cousin dying jesus goes on and still has compassion among the people of god and so he is here resolute right with uh continuing in his earthly ministry and he and he he feeds uh more than five thousand people because uh it, it's it's five thousand men and in, including their women and children, and then he walks on water. Now, the feeding of the five thousand or the more than five thousand is located in every gospel, right? And here it is paired with the walking on water, right, in this text to show that Christ is uh rehearsing one the exodus story but he is also the god of the exodus you say how do you know that well remember in the exodus story that the people uh left via the red sea so jesus comes and walks on the sea here he doesn't he doesn't have to have it open he walks on top of it and remember the sea represented uh death uh in the ancient Aries, uh in the old testament days and he feeds people in the wilderness right and he uh feeds them with five loaves Uh, into fish and um it's interesting because when he's walking on the water it's interesting what they said it says um immediately it says uh verse 27 says immediately jesus spoke to them have courage it is i don't be afraid <clears throat> and the phrase he uses there is the same phrase uh that was that is used in exodus 3 right 14 where, where god comes to moses and he sends him to the Israelites. he's like yo who am i who am i supposed to say sent me and god is like i am right jesus literally says the same exact things ego me, i am and he's saying no no i am the god of the exodus and this is why listen and this is why they fall down and worship right they got what he was saying they fall down and worship uh christ and i think the thing we need to remember listen christ is not like we said last time christ brings his great teaching yes he unveils the mysteries of the kingdom with his teaching so he's to be listened to and we pray that the lord would illuminate our hearts to understand him but he also is this one coming in great power and his power is supposed to invade every area of life and we see that uh, throughout the gospel but the thing that his power is supposed to lead us to, the end, is not just to see his power and be like, oh, he's dope. His The end is to actually worship him, right? Like that's the goal. And remember the Exodus. No, no, the goal of the Exodus was so that the people will worship God. That's why they were to be liberated. So for us, yes, we talk about people getting saved. Yes, we talk about people following Jesus, but the goal ultimately is so that they will bow down to him and worship him with every single thing. They have. Right. Matthew 15 comes and you have the, the scribes and the Pharisees coming back. Now, one of the things you're going to see is that um. throughout the gospel, uh, Jesus is going to encounter so many people and, and, and you'll see there the different responses that different people have. To him and so as he's moving towards Jerusalem as he's moving towards his death in the narrative there will be uh, an intensification of opposition uh, to Jesus and the Pharisees and the scribes come here and guess what they're talking about hand-washing now remember I said listen in the first century Jews were debating about purity laws right this is normal out in and outside of the Bible and what do we have here the Pharisees uh, coming to him uh, talking to him about this uh very thing. And Jesus is just going to point out, listen, listen, listen. He's going to point out, no, no, no. Like I talked about last time how uh Jesus was actually more uh um uh strict in keeping the law than the Pharisees and he 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 shows here that their tradition uh made them more lenient right it it actually led to them not keeping the law so we have these characters caricatures of the pharisees which aren't true and he said no no no, like y'all are so caught up in your traditions that you're actually not even doing what the bible calls y'all to do right and i think that's a that's a really good word for us right there are so many things listen that like the more you grow in your faith you will realize aren't biblical but may be cultural right who that may not be rooted in the text but maybe rooted in tradition now that doesn't mean that just because it's rooted in tradition that's ultimately bad and it's not good for you to do however there are some things that we can equate with the text that is actually found in a tradition and I think one of the ways like that we can grow like and we can uh um search that one of the ways to uh I think grow in our walk with Christ, is to search out our hearts, right? It's to is to get in different contexts. It's to hear from other believers that don't think like you uh, uh, believe exactly what you believe doctrinally, right? Go to other places, right? Um, uh, um, read other authors, and you and you'll see some of those blind spots and where you may have been equating tradition with the text. And it will help you ultimately obey the text even more. And so Jesus here has this encounter with them about unclean and unclean hands. And he's like, no, what goes into a person doesn't defile them, but actually what comes out of them defiles them. So much we could say there, but I, I can't even gloss over it. I want to just show the juxtaposition because after that, you have a Gentile <laughs> coming to him. Now it's interesting how the Pharisees respond to him and then look at how the Gentile responds to him. They like, She's like, yo, no, no, son of David, have mercy on me right and to understand that this was one a lo- the lord and then to understand that he was the son of david was says a lot right again that's that's messianic language understanding he's the christ and this gentile who was unclean in jewish eyes comes to him and bows down to him and is uh, submissive to his word and to his way unlike the pharisees who were worried about clean hands right and so you see the juxtaposition there and jesus Ultimately. Right. Um, he says, uh, women, your faith is great. Let it be done for you as you want. And So you see Jesus, this outsider is actually going to be an insider. That's another thing you see throughout the Gospels. Listen, the outsiders are in and sometimes the seemingly insiders are actually out. Right. Those who you would expect to be in the kingdom are not always in the kingdom. Sixteen comes and Jesus is saying, yo, check it. Watch out, for the, uh, watch out for the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. He's talking to his disciples here. Just he watch out for the leaven of the Pharisees and the, and the Sadducees. Like the disciples, they are clueless, right? They are so clueless. They have no idea what he's talking about. And then they finally realize after further explanation that Jesus is talking about their teaching. Now, remember, this gospel is very much concerned with teaching. Side note. Um. Uh, a false teaching is a thing, fam. Like Paul will talk about it more in the pastoral epistles, but Jesus talks about it too. Listen, false teaching is a problem. Sound and good biblical teaching, according to Jesus, whether you care about it, whether you say, oh, I don't care about uh, theology and all that kind of stuff, no, no. no. According to Jesus, it is important. Right. It is important. And look what happens right after this, right after the story of talking about the Pharisees, uh, uh, the 11 of the Pharisees and Sadducees. Jesus is going to uh, show what good sound teaching is actually like. Right. So Jesus comes to Caesarea of Philippa. Right. And he's like, yo, who do people say that I am? Right, and so Peter's like, "Yo," or or the disciples are like, "Well, some say you're Elijah, some say Jeremiah, one of the prophets." But he's like, "No, no, who do you say that I am?" And Peter makes the confession that he is the Christ, that he is the Son of the Living God, and Jesus blesses him for the correct correct doctrinal teaching, and he says, "Then he gave the, uh, the disciples orders to tell the one that he was." The Messiah. Now it's interesting, one geography is never an accident. Jesus goes to Caesarea Philippi, that is 25 uh, miles northeast of where he was doing his ministry in those days. And in this region, this was the home of a temple dedicated to Augustus Caesar. Right. And Augustus Caesar at this time was called the son of God. (laughs) And so Jesus is going to show like, fam, like I am not a regional deity. Back in the Old Testament, deities reign over specific regions. Jesus is like, "No, no, no, I'm not a regional deity. I am the king of the whole earth, not just reigning in Jerusalem, not just reigning in the hill country of Judea, not just reigning in the north in Galilee. I am the king over the whole earth i am showing my identity to you now the thing that peter misunderstands here though is that this messiah is the king he is the christ the son of the living god but guess what he doesn't recognize that he's the crucified king right the the way that christ becomes king is through a cross right the way that he becomes king is through a crucifixion and a resurrection, and then he tells Peter, he says, "Yo, Peter doesn't understand." He te- he tells me he's gonna die. Resurrect Peter doesn't understand, and he says, "Get behind me, Satan!" Why does he do that? Remember Matthew chapter four, right, where he tried, to, or where Satan tried to get Jesus to bypass the cross. Right. He tried to get Jesus to bypass the cross. Right. He says, no, no, bow down to me and I'll give you all the kingdoms of this world. Jesus uh, purchases and and atones for the entire world uh, through the cross where he is exalted as king. Listen, the kingdom comes in the most unlikely way, and that is proven at the cross for us. Like following Jesus again doesn't mean that we'll be on top, that we'll win everything, that, that that everything will go the way we want it. It actually means we have to go the way of the cross. We have to go through a route of suffering so that God can exalt us and lift us up like he did his one and only son. Let's pray. God, we ask uh, for your grace today to remember the truths you've given us in your word. Father, I pray that you reveal more of the mysteries of the kingdom to us as we uh Uh, give ourselves to your word. I pray that we would live our lives based on the confession that you are the Christ, the Son.